Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father Joe. Nope. Deacon John. What are our names again? You butchered that one. I just got back from the Middle East. I am jet-lagged like a banshee. It's true. I've, I've never seen John be the first one to fall asleep. Uh, when people are having so much fun around him, but that was guys were playing pool last night. Nine thirty, I'm on the couch, passed out, and uh, of course they start messing with me. And then of course I wake up at three a.m. and uh, here I am, just messed up. So Father John and Joe, uh, and here we are in our studio, which we're still kind of flushing out the name. We got some good suggestions. That's gonna right. Come back to that in a little bit, but uh, it's good to be with you in 2012. Here we are. Oh, that's right. This is the first podcast in the new year. Yeah, and year you'll... two. Year three, we're starting? Um, I think we just passed our second anniversary. There we go. You know, and I think we have about 60 podcasts up. Something like that. iTunes, we just found out, just only puts up 50. Yeah, so sorry about that. If you're on iTunes, hopefully when you subscribe, you get them all, but we don't really know. I have no These idea. These things are, they're hidden to us. They, you know. Interesting. But funny thing about counting how many years we have, I just met some people from China when I was in Austria over the Thanksgiving. Did I tell you about this? We're trying to impress you with our world travels. Oh, yes. I just got back from Abu Dhabi. I'm so jet-lagged. <laughs> so jet-lagged. Joe's like, oh, it was Austria. It was just amazing. But but I was talking to Chinese people, and they were telling that in China, they count their birthday. They don't count, like, if you say how old are you. They start at zero. They start at zero. When they're, so when they're born, you're they're one. one year old. Right. You're one. And then your next birthday, you don't turn two. You turn two at New Year's. So say I'm born... Or like Joe McClagan, our good friend who we were with, was his birthday's on December 26th. Right. He would have been one when he's born, and then January 1st, New Year, he would be two. Okay, so we were started on... Even though he'd be six days We're old. a J10 initiative, which stands for January 2010, so we just missed the New Year's birthday thing. That oh, makes us three? Right. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. We, born, we were born when we were one. This is our third year. We, we were, were 2010, 11, 12. Happy third birthday. Thank you. Hey, your, actual birthday's, your actual birthday's coming up in about a month. I know. Are you gonna are you gonna come to my party? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm kind of busy in February, so we'll get that back whole to month. That. You're pretty booked. <laughs> oh man, it's good to be with you though, buddy. What do you got for us today? So I thought since tomorrow is the feast of the Epiphany, is that right? Am I making it that up? Uh, January sixth. Well, that's, that's right. a that's tricky, Joe. Well, it's we celebrate it on. Sundays. We'll be celebrating it on Sunday, right? And you will be saying Mass for the Epiphany on Sunday, right? But the traditional date is January 6th, I think, right. which is tomorrow. Right. So I thought I would do a timely podcast on the Epiphany, which so I feel like... So timely. I know. But I feel like the Epiphany is kind of the pushed aside feast. Like, it's kind of a big deal, but we don't make a big deal out of no it. No way. Epiphany, Epiphany is awesome. Yeah. But it's I mean, like, it's like it's, three, most people don't even know about it. Joe, it's like three feasts packed into one. I know. Isn't it's like crazy? Yeah. It's the only event I know of in the church calendar where we have like... Three different things going on at the same time. It's like it's so much to preach. I was prepping for my homily on Sunday. There's so much to preach on. I'm like, I got to pick one. Cause it's oh, just- that's right. Are all the readings like about all three or is it just about the Magi? Uh, Magi. Magi, Magi. Magi. However you want to pronounce it. Yeah. So the three feasts are? Magi. The Magi. Baptism of Jesus. Not the baptism of Joe Doman. And then the Transfiguration. Really? I thought it was the Wedding Feast of Cana. There's oh. a, there's another feast for the transfiguration, <laughs> and I'm a Catholic priest. <laughs> That's right. And I good don't night, know. good night, everybody. I only had nine years of seminary, and I still don't know what the three. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. I just researched. Yeah, it. you're on Wikipedia right now on your computer. That's probably why. Hey, Wikipedia, the source of all truth. Do you think our listeners have realized that like 90 percent of our content? No, that's a joke. That's a joke. We say that every other podcast yeah. now. But there are three feasts, as far as I know. They are 
the manifestation to the Magi, Magi, and the baptism of Jesus, and the wedding feast at Cana, for some reason, is thrown in there. Kind of audible. I, I don't think it's Transfiguration because there's a separate feast. For the I don't think it is. I'm just... You're yeah. jet-lagged. I'm jet-lagged. That's I've right. just, you know... We're going to ride that as long as we can. We're gonna, that, I'll be using that excuse in May. <laughs> oh, man, I've just, you know, that Abu Dhabi trip, so... That, that's right. Uh, so the Epiphany is on January 6th, and did you know this, that it is uh, one of the oldest feasts in the church? No. It actually predates Christmas. Interesting. Which is really interesting. So, like, how old is that? Like, what does that mean? Uh, the 200s. 200s. That's Damn. the earliest time where we know crazy. Epiphany being celebrated on January 6th. That's amazing. And it was celebrated with the three? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was celebrated with the three all at once in the very beginning, but early on, I think in the fourth century, we have reason to believe that there's all three feasts being it's celebrated It's interesting right that it would be celebrated before Christmas because it seems to me that the Epiphany is always in relation to the Christmas. Well, what it used to be, it used to be the celebration of the Nativity as well. Uh, so it kind of was the first Christmas, gotcha. and then they made a separate feast for Christmas, gotcha. I think in the fourth century. Am I screwing up the order by which you'll present this content? No, I, I have no order. <laughs> in fact, I don't even know what this is on. I kind of want to talk about the Epiphany. I kind of want to talk about the house blessing, which ah, is really cool. It is cool. And I kind of want to talk about the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Let's do all And three. they all kind of relate. So well, I won't talk extensively about any of them. Well, I w- we'll talk about all of them. I want to talk just briefly. My, my brother Steve had a crush on a girl named Epiphany. She was French. That's oh. about all I know. For so, just putting that out there. That's great. Yeah, my, my uh, we're not going to keep to twenty minutes if you're talking about Steve's ex girlfriends. Uh, that would take a long time. <laughs> that would. But Epiphany, this is a shout out for you, even though you would never in your life listen to this podcast. That's a great name, though. Epiphany. So let's talk about what do you want to talk about first? Well, why don't we talk about um, house blessing? Let's talk about the house blessing. So tomorrow night, John, as you know, we're going to have a party. Mm-hmm. at the Companions of Christ house. John and I are both members of the Companions of Christ in right. Denver. Uh, Recap of what that is? Go for it. You're Association the of diocesan priests and seminarians who live a common life. That's right. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And it's actually kind of one of our big sponsors, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. They're sponsored. They're helping us kind of get this going here. We want to make shirts. So anyways, but we anyway, won't go on that Companions topic. of Christ. The Companions are going to have a party. This is an annual party. We have the Epiphany Party. Yep. And it's great. We just bring friends from all over the city into our house, maybe 60 or 70 people. And one of the big events we do is we bless the house with this traditional house blessing that I actually never heard of until I saw it done at the Companions House maybe two or three years ago. Right. Um, But for those who aren't familiar with it, this is a blessing. uh, I don't know where it dates back to. Um, I couldn't find that in any er, everything I researched on it. It wasn't on says, Wikipedia. It just says <laughs> exactly. It wasn't on Wikipedia. But everything just says how to do the blessing. It doesn't say anything about the history. Right. Of it. So I don't know where this comes from. But it's a really cool. It's a really cool Catholic tradition. I feel like it's been around for a while because there's all sorts of stuff on it. And it's but practice. it's one of these things that's been lost. I never knew about this until the last two or three years. Really? So you didn't know either. We never had this. But I never had one of those uh, trees. What do you call those in the family? Jesse trees. Jesse trees. <laughs> so I think my I, mom just made that up. No, I, I talked to other people who uh, who had Jesse trees, but that's like that was like a year ago. So oh, back okay. to the topic. But this is like this is because it's practiced uh, in many different countries all over the place. So it makes me think this is probably a pretty old tradition because it's not something that's really localized right now. Um, but the blessing is pretty simple. It can be done by a priest or it can just be done by the father of the household. And it's just a blessing, an annual blessing for the house. And one of the things you use for the blessing is blessed chalk. Yes. Have you blessed chalk before as a priest? I haven't. I've watched Father Matt book blessed chalk. But uh, interesting. Uh, last year, when I was at home for Christmas, the priest uh, at the at, at our parish said, "We have," and he was a visiting priest, like he just came right. on the weekends to do masses. And he during the announcements, he was reading the announcements, and he says, 
uh, we have blessed chalk for you to pick up in the back of church after mass. And then he looks up and he says, does, does any of you know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like he didn't even know. And yeah. everybody was like shaking their heads. And he was yeah. like, all right, no idea. bless chalk. We don't know what that's about. These Catholics, was, they'll bless anything, oil a, or water. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. But so if you didn't know what blessed chalk is for, you're going to learn right now. Yeah. It's for the Epiphany House Blessing. Epiphany House and Blessing. And so at this Epiphany House Blessing. I believe ours was Crayola last year. I don't uh, know what you're going to be blessing this year. Crayola lasted a long time, they, though. Did just, you know they make chalk? It's not just colors or not just crayons. Oh. Yeah. I You'll learn that. that. You'll learn that tomorrow. I guess so. If we're using Crayola again, I will. <laughs> I bet you are. Go so, ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, the blessing you can find online, it's all over the place. It's a pretty simple blessing read by the father of the house or by a priest. And as he blesses the house, he writes, after the blessing, he writes over the the main doorway of the house. C. R- right above it. Do you know what he writes? 20. Mm, 20. C plus uh, C. Not plus. It's a cross. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> cross C. It looks like a plus. Cross M. Cross B. Cross 11. 12. Uh, 12. So what you do, you put, it's, it's 2012. So you would start it with 20 and end it with 12. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, it would be cross C, cross M, cross B. Caspar, Melchior, Baltazar. That's right. So these are the three wise men they, in, in legend. Their names are Caspar, Melchior, and, and Balthazar. Balthazar. Von Balthazar. No, just Balthazar. <laughs> no, you're not going to get away with that. Um, and the other actually meaning it can also mean is uh, Christus Mansionem Benedicat. Ah, I didn't know that. Christ bless this house. Nice. Yeah, isn't that cool? That is cool. So it's a house blessing, but it's also kind of a shout out to the Magi. And the whole kind of concept behind it is that it is a symbol of Christian hospitality. Right. So when you walk into the house, you see this. And just as the wise men came into the house of Mary and Joseph of the Holy Family, and they saw the Christ child, that all the visitors who come to your house might find Christ in, in your midst. In right. this house. So it's a beautiful, it's a, there's, a, there's a richness to this tradition. And I'm like, I want to do this at my parents' house. I want to do this everywhere. Because now, it is be- it is beautiful and it's just a really cool thing. Now, question for you: Is it of German um, descent? Because when I was in Austria and Germany, I already told you I have no idea. You have no idea? No, oh, I don't man. know. I don't know anything about that. I this couldn't find anything. Classic, poorly, but tell me poorly how- researched. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. When I was in Germany, Catholic stuff, you should know. Thank you. When I was in Bavaria, I uh, I remember seeing this on. It was in, in the on the front above the door of every house. I mean, it was just like everywhere. Really? Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, uh, and it, it's just a beautiful thing. Well, I wonder if these are the things that in Europe are where, where Catholic culture has kind of had more years to ferment, and more things have can have uh, you know been there for a long time. Right. I wonder if you see it a lot more there than you would see it. In America, yeah. So this is this is our task as American Catholics is to kind of what are the what are the things that have been given to us as Catholics and that we don't lose them that we hang on. And these this is very this isn't essential to being Catholic. This is anything like that, but it's part of how we can um, have manifestations of of our faith around us and yeah, yeah. and how they can remind us of the richness of. It's, it's incarnational in the sense that we have physical signs that express invisible realities. Everything is sacramental. You it's, know, that's that's the kind of that's what it means to be Catholic, and we have to recover that. It's and cool I, having all these weird things around that people are like, "Oh, what's that?" And yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's a Catholic thing. So you go know? bless your chalk and uh, and bless your house. Well, don't bless it, but have a priest bless. Have it. Have a priest bless. I'll come bless it and uh, or Father Mike wrap and. 
Craig. And, or your uh, parish priest. Or your parish priest. He might par- not even know why he's blessing He you might not even get it. But, uh, yeah, do this blessing. It really is beautiful. And the prayers are beautiful. I remember that from last year. And yeah. we're going to have a good party tomorrow night. So. It's a, It was a cool thing to have at a party, too, because then everybody gets to kind of share in it. Exactly. And be like, oh, what's that about? And they, exactly. they want to do it at their house, too. Now, I remember having 300 people at the last party, and the fire department was pissed off about that. So See, that's I'm, why we're only I'm allowed happy. to invite 10 people I'm per happy person. you're only having 60 or 70. That's right. So... Let's move to the next topic. So the next topic would be the Church of the Nativity. Church of the Nativity in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. In, well, it's in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, my bad. Mm-hmm. This Which is, is near Jerusalem. Yeah, this is the oldest church in the Holy Land. Do you know that? As you drink your Maker's Mark? I had a quick drink of uh, bourbon there, and uh, I did not know that. The uh, It is. Do you know why? No, I've been there. that's the cool story. I've been there. Well, then you should know this. Wait, is it the one where you crawl in? It's like yeah, a tiny... Talk, okay. okay, so the entrance, the main okay, entrance yeah. of this church... This, I didn't know it was called that. It looks like a hobbit's church or something. Or yeah. It's like, you know, uh, the doorway is about four feet. Yeah, you have to duck and crawl through this crazy... The churches in the Holy Land are insane. It's yeah. like it's unlike anything we've ever seen. It's really cool. Like the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, for example, which we did a podcast on, it is like... It's the most kind of random thing I've ever seen. And it was the same with the church. It's called the Church of the Epiphany? Church of the Nativity. Of the Nativity That's in true. Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there, there is a small doorway, and the whole purpose of it is that when you walk in, you're, there's a posture of humility from the get-go. You're bowing your head. You so even kings down. who would come into this place would lower their head right. uh, in, in reverence of what that's you're an amazing. To. That's an amazing place. And so it's cool because you go into churches and sometimes the doors are like 20 feet tall. They're right. huge. But this is just a really small – I mean it's a – when I mean, you think about the nativity, manger. I mean the Lord being laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough, right? right. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a great poverty and, and humility in the Lord's descent to us as man. Um, and so the, the the church is built in such a way that you're kind of entering into that humility as well. So when you come, you're bowing down. And I believe this is the church where St. Jerome kind of set up shop. That's is right. That yeah, right next to the church, St. Jerome, who was uh, a doctor of the church most famous for translating the Bible from the original Greek and Hebrew into Latin. Um, so giving people in the West access to the scriptures in a new way they never had before. But he... He lived a whole life of penance, right? And he loved this church. He would he had a cave, like literally a hundred feet or so. Yeah, it's really close from the cave, from the manger area, and he just lived there. And that's where he translated. That's where he prayed. Uh, I think that's where he was buried, and then they moved his body to a different church. But so this is the uh, we have to remember when we talk about churches in the Holy Land, like this is the spot where these things happened. You know, when we talk about the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, it's like. That's where Jesus died, and that's where he, the resurrection happened. It's not that, in, like, Bible land somewhere, yeah. but it's like it's you go to It's not just like, place. oh, that's nice, but, like, it actually is the place, and this is the same in Bethlehem. This is – when you pray, this is this spot of the nativity, and it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was one of the most powerful things when I went to the Holy Land was praying in that church. It, was, an, it was crazy. It's totally crazy, and it's, it's very typical of uh, churches in the Holy Land, too, to kind of be – Really eclectic. I mean, you have because you have Orthodox praying there, you have Armenians praying there, you right. have Christians praying there. Uh, the the uh, Roman Catholics who are there are the Franciscans who run the place. Uh, but you have different altars set up and different people. When I last time I was there, there was actually a wedding going on in the upstairs part of oh, it. Oh, really? Like an Armenian wedding, and then in the downstairs there was pilgrims going down there. So when you go down to the manger scene, there's I think the main the site where the manger is, where you can go beneath the altar and kiss the stone upon which the manger was laid, uh, is Armenian, I think. 
then the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church is like four feet to the right, and then there's right. another Orthodox, which church. is typical. That sounds so weird to us in the West, but that's typical of the Holy Land. Yeah. Like everybody's fighting for territory, it's, and everybody's got their little plot. Yeah, it's. Funny. But I believe it's beneath the spot of the Nativity is beneath the high altar. So you walk into the, this beautiful church, and then you go down into the crypt. Is right. that correct? Yeah, yeah. You okay. walk down these steps, and, and, down, and it's beautiful. It really looks like a cave, which yeah. is really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring this up with Epiphany, I was going to say, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, I say I said it's the oldest church in the Holy Land, and the reason is this: it was built by Justinian, uh, I think in the seventh century, six hundreds, and uh, just maybe eighty years after that, the Persians came in, and the Persians just wiped out the Holy Land. They they're non Christians, and they're just destroying everything. But when they came to the church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, the leader of the Persians said, "Don't destroy this church," because they looked up and there were these beautiful mosaics of three men Magic. dressed in uh. Persian clothes, and so they saw their native. They're, you know, they're native men uh, venerated and reverenced on the walls of this church. And so they said, we were not going to destroy They didn't destroy it. And so they preserved it. And so that's why it's the oldest church, because you had the Magi there, which didn't... is one of the reasons why a lot of people think the three wise men, the Magi, were Persians yeah, from the East. Astrologers, because there's a astrology in, in Persia are, you know, they're associated with astrology. Interesting point here. I was uh, doing something called... Um... Uh, I was riding in sand dunes in a in a kind of land cruiser a couple of days ago, which is just really weird. My parents live in the Middle East right now, and the guy was Iranian. He was from Iran, and he he kept talking about Zoroastrian, which is five thousand year old religion, and the Persians. And so when we talk about Persia and we talk about the Magi's being Persians, we're talking about primarily about Iran, maybe parts of Iraq as well. But that's the kind of just to locate that in your mind. So that's quite a ways to get over to Palestine, right? But they controlled the whole world at the time, and so it's just a really interesting. Zoroastrian would have, they were very focused on uh, astrology and on the stars and which was all tied into what we see in the gospel accounts and what brings them even in the, as late as the seventh century into Palestine. It's so wild. It's so amazing too how, I mean, the, the symbolism of the Magi, they really symbolize the manifestation of Jesus, not just to the Jews. I mean, Jesus was born a Jew in the land of the Jews, uh, but this is his, it's a prefigurement of the gospel and Christ and the message of salvation that Christ offers being given to the whole world. Right. And the Magi kind of represent that. They represent right. the pagans, the non the Gentiles who are coming. And it's amazing too how we see the Holy Spirit at some ways at work outside of what the visible the visible confines of the people of God as the Jews, you know, we see him already kind of beckoning and sending his messages uh to these men who in their hearts are seeking truth and they know that and it's amazing. They come to the manger and they come to this, this poor place. Right. And they lay prostrate and they give these great gifts. You know, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful uh, way that I feel like God s- says to us that he, his salvation is for everybody. And, yeah. and, and he's calling people. I mean, we see this in our lives, too. The people we know, if you know anybody who's coming to the Catholic Church or you yourself who've entered the Catholic Church, um, at some point before your conversion, before you're actually entering the church, the Holy Spirit's already at work kind of with the promptings um, and leading you to truth, you know? So it's a beautiful witness of how God's God wants a relationship with any, any, all men, uh, all men of goodwill, you know? And so the, the major can represent that. The universality of the church, absolutely. It's, uh, it's cool. And I had never, never heard that about the Persians coming in the 7th century. I didn't even know they were, like, I knew they were powerful five, you know, 500 B.C., but I didn't realize that even, you know, six, 700 years later that they were coming in. That's just a really crazy thing, and... Uh, we should do a pilgrimage, Catholic stuff pilgrimage to the. When you're a priest, how does that sound? To the oh. holy, holy land, and we'll we'll go visit all these spots that we talk about. So sign me up. There you go. So Epiphany, awesome feast. What uh, was the third thing we were going to talk about? Um, just the Epiphany. 
I thought there was three. There was the house blessing, the No, there was the church. Feast of the Epiphany. Oh, the feast, okay. The house blessing itself and the church. Right. So, yeah, but there's all sorts of really cool things. The other thing, a little cool Catholic custom with the Feast of the Epiphany mm-hmm. is uh, the creche. It's the completion of the creche. The ah. creche is the, the manger scene. Uh, that's our the way we usually talk about it. Um, but you know, you have a manger scene where you have Jesus and the and the ox and the ass and the shepherds and you better Jesus watch and Mary. watch your mouth. This is a this is a Catholic Sorry, show, we'll, okay. we'll a family show. Okay. Um, but then the Epiphany is the feast where you bring the three wise men who are, you know, in my my house growing up, we would always have the wise men like you know the manger scene would be on top of the piano and the wise men would be hanging out by the <laughs> by the TV for right. <laughs> for during Christmas and they'd be on their way and we'd move them along as kids, you know. But Epiphany is when the wise men arrive. Um, so it's a beautiful, it's a be- just a beautiful Catholic custom. I know for for a child, you know, in my experience, it was just a beautiful way to be like, oh, this is this is cool. You know, the wise men are coming on. This is what's going on. So you don't really get the reality of the whole thing, but it's a small way to kind of bring your kids into into the reality of what's going on here. Uh, and there's also in the tradition too. There's also an exchanging of gifts that a lot of Catholic families will do. I didn't know that either. But uh, at Epiphany, which makes sense. I mean, the wise men come bearing gifts, and so right. they they bring gifts to Christ. And so a lot, you know, this is what the six would be usually marking the end of the Christmas season. So you end the Christmas season with an exchange of gifts as well, So, which I never did, but I think it's a really cool thing. Absolutely. I might start next year. You should. There we go. So that's all I got. Very nice. You got anything for us? Uh, some emails. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to do three emails very briefly. The first one is going to be the briefest. This is not... This three is, emails? Okay, this is from Becky Dami. Oh, Becky. Do you know who Becky Dami is? I know who she isn't. Becky Dami is a combination of two women. Young women, college girls who are in my parish, Becca Dahl or uh, Becca Messel and Kyla Dahlquist put together this ridiculous name in this ridiculous uh, email, which I'm not even going to read because it's absurd. You're not going to read it, but it's I told them. Absurd. But I told them I'd give them a shout out. So oh, okay. that's the first one. Number two. This is from Jody Shanick. All right, Jody. Jody, hey guys, my wife and I love the show, and I think we've almost listened all the way back episodes. I heard your call for new studio names before listening. Oh yeah. To the newest podcast, hopefully you're still looking. Jody, we're still looking. At Christmas Mass this year, our priest talked about how the nativity has been sanitized and spoke of the reality of what it must, uh, of what must gave, like that must be a typo, and how much of this dirtiness has been removed uh, from what we feel our own struggle should be like. Interesting concept, the sanitizing of the, you know, yeah, we, we, like we, yeah. we look at the manger and this ties into the podcast actually of what you were talking about. We think of it as some nice thing. It's like this dirty cave. So he says, and so I humbly submit to you, my suggestion for the studio, the trough, where the nitty-gritty food for Catholic minds is served up to all us messy animals What's as we try to make our way to Christ. Keep doing your good works, Jody. I love it. I think that's great. We have to get Goebel's approval, though, before we name this the Oh, trough. that's right. It's not just so, us anymore. Nathan Goebel as well. And then lastly, from Beatrice Rodriguez. This is just a feel-good podcast, and I want to read this because we got this, like, onslaught email from your sister a couple days ago and oh, so this is just to kind of rebuild my self-esteem after. that's true my sister sent us a heat-seeking missile heat-seeking. Of an email. it was about 15 pages long and uh, it left <laughs> me with zero uh, percent self-esteem but uh this is the make us feel better so are you ready for this but it's also have a question and i'm gonna quiz you because you're in canon law hi father john and nathan well we'll just pretend like you're nathan right now i've been listening to you for a while now hi. and i can't believe <laughs> that's how nathan talks uh, this is what we need in the church, real people with personalities. I can't believe you guys get away with this. Yeah, we can't believe it either. And at some point, we'll you know, get uh, When we get a new bishop, we'll probably have to shut <laughs> yeah. down. That'll be it. It was a good run. Okay, here we go. And concerning confession, of course, you skirted the really tough issues. We do that in every podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
It is against canon law to divulge anything against confession, but what if the inform- information gained in confession is something like uh, that which will happen in the future, like a terrorist plot of 20,000 people to die or a plot to assassinate the Pope or something along these lines? That is, to me, the great moral question concerning confession. What is a priest to do, Joe Doman? That is a great question. Um, oh, how would I answer this? I guess I'd say that um, what the church has in mind when it says uh, that the seal of confession cannot be broken in any circumstances, including the ones that you mentioned, like terrorism or all these things, is really to preserve the integrity of the sacrament. Because the church has, as its highest goal, the salvation of every soul. And the sacrament of confession is where any soul can be reconciled back with the church. And we don't want anything to prevent prevent a soul from coming to the coming to confession for forgiveness and for reconciliation. Um, and if so, for instance, if uh, if a priest divulged that kind of information, um, and it sounds crazy. I mean, this is a crazy circumstance. I can't imagine somebody being like, "I'm planning to kill the pope," but uh, I'm going to confess that right. beforehand. I mean, that's just right. they're they're kind of hyperbolic examples, but I understand your point. Um, but it's really that it's to preserve the integrity of the sacrament. That we don't want we do not want any obstacle uh, in place to prevent a soul from coming to confession. And so there should be, and one of those obstacles would be the possibility that something they would say here would be divulged somewhere. Um, and that's, we see that as a, as an obstacle to the salvation of this person. So we believe in the sacramental grace that's offered in the sacrament. And so we want to preserve the integrity of that sacrament so that there's no obstacles preventing anybody from coming to receive that grace. Absolutely. So that's what I would say to answer that. But I mean, it sounds crazy and I don't think the world understands it terribly well, but even, I mean, even governments, there's an, I mean, what, what's the uh, big one is, uh, oh, mandatory reporting right? Uh, is the big ones that, so, I mean, I, I used to work in a high school. And so if a kid came to me and told me that he was being abused by his father or something, or I have, I, I'm, I'm a mandatory reporter. I have to report that against law. And if I don't, I could be put in prison because of that. Right. Um, but the people who are exempt from mandatory reporting are priests in the confessional. Right. Because they understand, I mean, they at least respect the, uh, the value that the church has on the sacrament uh, and that there has to be an integrity here. So Beatrice, as a priest, if this was to happen to me, if someone was to say something like this, I would do everything I could in my power in that thing to get them to talk about it outside of the confessional, whether to me or to somebody else, I would that would be everything I could, but I could not divulge the content of the confession itself. And one of the things to think about is, um, this is a slippery slope if you go down this path. Okay, what about if 20,000 people are killed? Well, then the question becomes, well, what about if, if a guy's going to cheat on his wife? Well, then maybe that should be, you know what I mean? You can. Where do you draw the line if you all of a sudden start to divulge? If, if we become, Joe, you as a priest and me as a priest, if we become the criteria to determine what should be divulged and what shouldn't be, uh, it can get very, very dangerous yeah, it's very, very quickly. Slope. It's yeah. very uh, So um, as she says, she anxiously awakes our response uh, which is kind of funny. She lives in Illinois, is Cuban, so got one thing in common with Goebel. I like that she said that she anxiously awaits our response to be read on the podcast. So I know. I just know. like put, you know, twisting our arm a little bit. I but challenge hey. you to come up with my accent. Oh my gosh, we'll save that for Goebel. <laughs> there you go. Goebel, will do your Cuban action uh, accent. Beatrice. Cuban, Kansas, Midwest. Cuban. It's going to be a strange combo. Stay tuned. I think that's enough for today. Great topic uh, and a good feast. Great. <laughs> a jet lag is wearing falling off asleep. a asleep. That's it, right. Uh, please send us emails. We'd love to hear from you. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com and Catholic Stuff You Should Know on Facebook. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.